The following message is from Pastor Peter Cho of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found at emmanuelcommunity.org. I think when you watch the video, you see like, wow, they're hanging out at the pool, they're going to the beach. This doesn't feel like missions at all. And yet, as, as you just heard, uh, there was a purpose behind it. You know, this was a time where we could intentionally and organically build relationships with the campers by having fun together and building trust, uh, which would lead to deeper friendships and more meaningful conversations. And so it really was um, draining, I think, in a lot of ways, different ways than maybe we're used to. Um, when I was a senior in high school, I went to Tijuana and we built a house. That was our missions trip. And it was a very different experience. And that's the way I always viewed missions. And yet, um, I'm, I'm really kind of uh, just blown away at just what a different and unique opportunity this is and how fruitful it can be uh, to be able to really uh, converse with uh, the people you're reaching and express the love of Christ to them just by doing things that we normally do every day. And so I do want to take a moment to just, again, thank everyone who supported us and prayed for us. This is very much a partnership in the gospel, and we all felt your love, your support, and your prayers, which honestly was needed. Um, the spiritual battle is real. And it is intense. And I think you go to a place like Albania, and it's much more noticeable, I think, than uh, in the United States. And I don't know what it is. I think the enemy just works in far more subtle ways here and often goes unnoticed because there are so many avenues, so many options to deceive and to oppress. But uh, one of the things you notice right away is how the physical realm and the spiritual realm uh, intersect quite a bit in places like Albania. And so, uh, again, we thank you for your prayers and for your support. Um, you know, what is missions? We're talking about missions today, uh, Mission Sunday, and I think there's a lot of different, different definitions of, of missions in the church, but I believe the heart of missions is really reaching out to others with the love of God simply because God first loved us. Reaching out to others with the love of God simply because God first loved us. 1 John 4.19 says we love because he first loved us. And this is accomplished by both proclaiming the gospel in word and in truth, but also by embodying the gospel in the ways that we express the love of Christ through our generosity and through our service. And so, as you know, the big draw of this, this camp was the fact that we could help young people learn English, which is something nearly all young Albanians desire because it opens up opportunities for them for a better future. But I also realized that while the English is nice, they love making friends and they love having fun, just like American teenagers. And they're really no different. And that is the bigger draw, actually, for them than even learning English. Uh, one of the best things about this missions trip, as was mentioned, is that everything we did as a team in Albania, we can do here, right here, right now, where we are, building friendships through kindness, breaking out of our shell and reaching out to someone in need, going deeper in conversations with others to things that matter, thinking about ourselves less and letting ourselves go, sharing about how God is real and at work in our lives. And this was, I think, the beauty of this trip, is all those things that we did there, we can do here. And on a trip like this, you begin to see that missions work is not only something that we all should support, but something that all of us can and all of us should participate in, because it is simply about making disciples, making disciples. And there are so many things that I learned in this trip in, in our week there, but I want to try and distill it into three things that really struck, stuck out to me, and I hope it will encourage you as you think about how you can serve God wherever he has placed you on mission. Uh, the first thing I want to say is that God is far greater than we can imagine. God is far greater than we can imagine, and he is worthy of our worship. 
Uh, Psalm 86, verses 8 through 10 says this. Among the gods, there is none like you. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. And I think sometimes it's difficult to appreciate how big God is, how great God is, until you go to the other side of the world and you realize that God is just as much at work over there than he is here, if not more. And there are people reading the same Bible, praying to the same God, even singing the same worship songs, just in a different language. And you realize, wow, God, our God is so big. Our God is so great. And there is no feeling like worshiping the same God. You know, every morning we would gather together and worship, and we would sing two worship songs in Albania, and we would sing one worship song in English, and we would just, uh, you know, the, I would serve alongside the, um, the worship team, uh, the Albanian worship team. And it, it was just such an awesome experience to be able to sing these songs in one spirit, even if it wasn't in one language. And uh, when we were there, uh, we, we just made this instant connection with all of the um, Campus Crusade workers there and the, the church planters. These are some, some of the men who are um, just young pastors who are serving Campus Crusade and the local churches in Tirana, in the capital city of Albania. And next picture, and uh, this, uh, the, the man on the left is Tony Minelli. He's the, uh, the pastor of a church in Tirana and also uh, one of the leaders of Campus Crusade in Albania. And Tony Minelli sounds kind of like a real tough guy, right? <laughs> like, but he should be on the Sopranos or something. But he's actually one of the most gentle and kindest guys you'll ever meet. And uh, it, was such a, it was such a joy to just get to know him and to, to see his heart for his people and just see him in action and at work. Next slide, and, and I know, uh, you know, we also really connected with the, the wives and many of the women who are serving alongside us from Albania to minister to these young folks. And, um, you know, I mentioned this last week when I was leading worship, but two Sundays ago when I was on a vacation right after this uh, Albania trip, uh, I visited one of our Thrive Church plants named One Tribe, which is in Flagstaff, Arizona. And um, if you could show that picture, um, we were on family gay vacation, and this is a church that's primarily made up of Native Americans. And uh, it was just so awesome just to be with a, a, a people that were so different from me. And, and I know even my own kids, they really just appreciated being able to worship with, um, with uh, this church. And last week, if you were here, uh, we listened to one of our supported missionaries share about his work with Iranian refugees and heard some amazing testimonies of faith. And, you know, even when I look around this room and I see the, the diversity that is represented here, uh, how can you not see that the God of the Bible loves all people? And in his love is drawing all peoples to himself, every tongue, every tribe, literally every tribe, every nation. And even when I think about who worships in this building every Sunday, you have nearly every ethnicity worshiping the same God between our Savior, uh, uh, Emmanuel Community Church, and Nueva Vida, every Sunday. Um, I want to show you this graphic I saw a while back, and it really struck me about how every, it shows how every world religion is largely centered um, and grows in its continent of origin. And its followers have largely uh, remained there without really migrating outside of that continent. I'm not sure if you can see this, but we'll have the slides on our website. But, you know, Hindus and Buddhists are primarily originated, it was originated in Asia, and this is where you'll primarily find the population of believers there. And, and Islam primarily in the Middle East and Asia. But Christianity is different. And it's the second one from the bottom there. You'll notice just how diverse the colors are there because there are Christians in every part of the world. And um, not only that, I've heard Pastor Tim Keller talk about how the locus of Christianity, where the gospel has taken root and moved over the centuries throughout the entire globe, um, 
is really unique about the Christian faith. They were, it began in the Middle East, and it moved to Eurasia, and then Europe, and then to North America, and in more recent times, like Africa and Asia is where we're seeing incredible growth. And I think this speaks to a God who not only loves all people, but who has reached all people groups. And we see the promise of Scripture unfolding, that every knee from every tribe, tongue, and nation will confess Jesus as Lord. And every day we, we draw nearer to that, that day. We worship a God that spans all cultures over all of creation because he is Lord over all of creation. And this is a testament to his power and to his love. God is far greater than we can imagine. And he is worthy of our worship. Um, the second thing I want to share is that, if you could skip two slides, um, kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. We just sang about that this morning. But, but his kingdom is here and his kingdom is eternal. So seek first the kingdom of God. And that comes straight from Sermon on the Mount, which we've been studying. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Um, you know, after our week, uh, we wrapped up the camp on Saturday morning. And on our way back to the capital city that evening, uh, we stopped on our way back uh, at uh, a town called Apollonia. And uh, I, I learned that this was an ancient Illyrian city that became a major Greek trade colony. And as the Roman Empire rose to power, this city became actually very important. It was a cultural center with a renowned school of philosophy. And it attracted the brightest students from all over the Roman Empire. In fact, the first Roman emperor, Augustus, studied in this place. And it thrived for nearly five centuries, from the second century BC all the way to the third century of AD until an earthquake apparently caused its shores to shift. And all this silt and sand and clay and sediment kind of began to accumulate on the shores, and it became unusable as a port. And before long, the city was completely abandoned and destitute. And as we were kind of walking through this place and learning about it, I felt kind of sad, you know, walking around these ruins, thinking about how this great and powerful city had suddenly disappeared. And I think this is, this is really the story of all of us, isn't it? Every nation that has ever lived on this globe, whether it's the nation of Israel and how you know, the Hebrews felt in Jesus' day, how they longed for a restoration of their former glory. And even Albania and America, I think, it's really no different. You know, in Albania night, one of the first nights of the week, we learned about the history of the country. And they played for us a video of their national anthem, along with the lyrics in English. And uh, this is what it said. It says this, united around the flag... With one desire and one goal, let us pledge our word of honor to fight for our salvation. Only he who is born, who is a born traitor, averts from the struggle. He who is brave is not daunted, but falls a martyr to the cause. And, uh, you know, as we were watching this, Pastor Dave kind of hit me and he's like, this is a crazy anthem. You should. <laughs> he was here the previous year and it sounds almost like it comes straight out of Braveheart or Gladiator or something. And here's the second verse. It says, with weapons in our hands abrandished, we will defend our fatherland. Our sacred rights will not relinquish. The foe has no place in our land. For God himself proclaimed, some nations of the earth shall wane, but Albania will live. We'll thrive, Albania, for her, for her we fight. Um, and the next night, uh, we sang the Star Spangled Banner. The, 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 men, the boys of our team uh, led that. For American night, and you know, the lyrics are not as bold or as brazen as the Albanian national anthem, but you realize that really Americans are, are no different. So many of us place our hope on our country, not in the kingdom of God. 
So many of us put our hope in the restoration of our former national glory or just making a better life for ourselves, hope for a better future. So much so that we have even politicized our faith and we are content with trying to create heaven on earth through our own means instead of bringing the kingdom of heaven near by yielding to the king of kings in our lives. You know, Jesus did not come to restore all nations to their former glory, which is what his disciples thought he was doing for Israel. But if you recall, in front of Pilate and before his death, Jesus stood with Barabbas, a zealot, who should have been executed for trying to overthrow the Roman government. But Jesus comes to restore a fallen world from the power of sin and death, one soul at a time. And sometimes he did it with physical healing, but oftentimes his restorative power came by befriending a social outcast. It came by dignifying a scorned woman in her fifth marriage. It came by eating in the home of a tax collector. All of these things brought the kingdom of heaven near and expressed the love of Christ. And whether we recognize it or not, this is the true longing for glory that all our hearts are crying out for. Don't settle for a cheap or a lesser version of heaven. Hope for a kingdom that will not fail or fall. For peace, for justice, for love, and for goodness to prevail. That's really all we desire, isn't it? Despite all the brokenness and the pain and the suffering all around us. And we are called as a kingdom of priests to bring the kingdom of heaven near. And how does this come about? My last point here is this. The love of God is what transforms hearts and saves souls. If we could advance to that slide. The love of God is what transforms hearts and saves souls. So do small things with great love. 1 John 3, 18 says this. Dear children... Let us love, not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Um, so this last point, I, I, this thought, is actually inspired by a little quote that we have had in our wall outside of our bedroom for many years that was hanging on our wall. I don't know if you could show that slide. Um, it comes from Mother Teresa, and it says this, We can do no great things, only small things with great love. We can do no great things, only small things with great love. Which, if I could paraphrase, I think means this. Not all of us can do great things for God, at least as the world defines great things. But that doesn't really matter. Because we can all do small things with great love. And that is what really matters. That is what will change the world and transform hearts. Did you guys know that Mother Teresa was Albanian? I had no idea until I went to Albania this year. And it struck me, like, this is actually, if you Google, the most famous, famous Albanian to ever live, it's Mother Teresa. And I had no idea. This is a woman who has dedicated her whole life out of her love for Christ to do small things with great love. By serving the poor and the destitute in India, and in doing so, she brought the kingdom of heaven near into some of the darkest places on earth. How? Through small acts of love done with great love, done with the love of God. 
And I, I think this was one of the best things about this trip for me, is witnessing small things done with great love every day by so many, not just in our team and the people on our team, but among the Albanians and the Albanians amongst each other and towards us. Every day we saw this at work. And I saw it in the ways that our, our guys would play cards all afternoon with some of the younger Albanian kids, even though they could have used a nap. I know that they were tired. Uh, I think the next slide, if you could switch over, I want to show a picture. This was, uh, well, th is there one before that? Yeah, this was the party bus we got into when we got to the airport. Everyone was so excited. We had a really nice bus that fit all of us, 15 of us. And then this was on our way to the, the, the uh, port city. Next slide. Everyone is out. <laughs> I mean, the jet lag hit us hard, and the time change, and the sun, and everyone was tired. But I saw in our team and our young people just all the extra effort that they put into adapting every new day uh, to make their language lessons and their workshops um, better so they could better serve the Albanian students. And I was so moved by that. I saw it in the courage that the guys displayed in making an effort to connect with some of the older, more intimidating Albanian students. This is a picture of the first day uh, we got there, and uh, Hannah was the only one that was brave enough, I think, to sit with some of these guys. They were all in their 20s, and they had, like, goatees, and they're scary looking. I mean, I love them, but, they, you know, they're a little intimidating. And um, last year, Paul went on the scouting trip, and he was like, came back like he came back from Canaan. He's like, oh, there's giants there, and <laughs> they're big, and they're intimidating. And yet, um, Hannah sat with them, and, and I came over there, and, and, and we just got to know these guys, and we've really, really just grown to love them. And yet, I saw love and the courage that so many of our team displayed in making an effort to reach out to these young men. I saw it in the way that Miss Jen Choi would cry every time she shared, because she loved the Albanians so much, and they really loved her back. I saw it in how our sister Hannah accepted the challenge to lead a beginner English class, and um, it was difficult, you know. We had a group that could barely speak any English. And she made it very challenging, and she made it also very fun. And I know it took a toll on her to give herself up in this way, but she did it with such joy. And I was so blessed by that. Um, next picture. I think, yeah, this picture demonstrates Hannah. She's so adaptable to all cultures. I mean, she looks like a teenager there, right? Sometimes I forget that she's German and <laughs> not American. And so even on American night, you know, I realized, like, um, you know, this is not her home. And she's had to really stretch herself to even fit in among us, amongst us. And I see the love of Christ in that. I saw it in how every single member of our youth team made the courageous decision to just let loose on the dance floor and completely forget about themselves by throwing off their inhibitions. And, um, you know, they just, they just met the Albanians where they were. And I know the Albanians felt the love. And, you know, in the, that first, one of the first nights of the week, an Albanian night, um, none of us knew really how to dance to Albanian music, and yet we just went out there, they just stood inside, and they just they tried to learn. And, they, and I think the Albanians are really touched. And to me, that was really the turning point of the week. It was when the awkwardness just kind of went away because we were meeting them and expressing their love in a way that they could receive it just by dancing with them and just letting go. This is a picture of me and Tim um, uh, towards the end of one of the nights dancing, and that is sweat. We did not jump in the pool behind us. That is all sweat. So I just wanted to show you how much we love God because we danced the night away, and neither of us can really dance. But um, I saw it in the Albanian team of pastors, next slide, um, and their wives who were so kind, welcoming, and generous towards us in the way that they treat us like family. 
and really everyone did there, including the students there. I saw it in the way that our youth members took the initiative to work through some tension and interpersonal conflict that they were experiencing even as a team within themselves. And they did this by dealing with it in a loving way head on instead of letting it fester or allowing it to divide the team. And you know who you are. And I'm not kidding. They spent like two hours of their free time towards the end of the week just patiently listening to one another, trying to come to understanding while also extending grace and forgiveness to one another. And they did it all on their own. None of, the, none of the adults had to get involved. And I was so proud of them because that is an expression of love that many adults really struggle with and some never learn. And, you know, I saw it in the way that even among the adult volunteers, that we, how we openly were able to just share our struggles. And when we hit our walls in the middle of the week, I realized that towards the end of the week, each of us in our own ways um, kind of asked ourselves, what the heck are we doing here? <laughs> and uh, why am I here? And, um, you know, I just love these guys. We, we got to, to, to know each other, I think, better this week. And it's such a blessing to be able to serve with them and to see um, their love for Jesus extend to uh, their love for one another and for the Albanians, and I was so touched by it. Um, you know, on paper, we really didn't do anything spectacular in our entire week there. We talked, we played, we ate, we danced, we got sunburned, we ate a lot of feta cheese, we got lactose intolerance. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the most spectacular thing our team did was perform a poor man's version of Blackpink's do 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 That was like the, the most impressive thing we did there. And it took hours and hours of practice. <laughs> and yet I saw the love of God in these small but powerful ways that entire week that will leave a lasting impression on me for the rest of my life. Because that is where I saw the glory of God and the power of the gospel. And, you know, it hit me that we went on this mission trip to fulfill the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations. But what I didn't realize was that God was not only making disciples of Albanians, that he was making disciples of us too of our youth team, right in front of our eyes in real time during the course of that week, as well as, you know, us old volunteers who have been Christians for decades. God was making disciples of all of us, and we were all experiencing the love of God and growing in our love for God, and we had both saw new and renewed followers of Jesus. I want to close tonight by sharing just a bit of my own personal testimony from the week, which I think ties a lot of what I've just shared together. So on the first day of the camp, uh, I met a a 17-year-old girl named Arcella, along with her 15-year-old brother, Nelly, and her 13-year-old cousin, Relinda, and they're all pictured right here. Arcella's there on the left, and her brother, uh, Nelly, and Relinda. Arcella was different from all the other campers. Um, From the very beginning, she was very eager to meet everyone on our team, and everyone on our team just fell in love with Arcella. Just a wonderful spirit and personality. And um, very fluent in English, actually, although her brother and, and her cousin were not. Um, and when I spoke with her, I discovered that Arcella is a big K-pop fan and that she loves BTS. And so I knew, I knew we were going to get along great that moment she told me that. Because when I asked her who her favorite BTS member was, she said JK. And that doesn't mean just kidding, guys. That means Jungkook. Jungkook is my bias. And so we totally clicked. And... I, it was so easy even for me to remember her name, because her, her name sounds a lot like my own daughter's name, Selah. 
And when I talked with Arcella, I, I found out that she loved to sing, but she's really shy about singing. She never actually really sang in public before. And when I asked her why she came to this camp, she said that she had no friends and that she had come with the hope of making new friends. And, you know, I'll be honest. When she said that, I, I felt kind of sad for her, but I also wondered, like, how can, how can someone have no friends? <laughs> like, does she have social anxiety? Does she have forgiveness issues? Like, is there something off about her? And I would come to find out later that week that the reason... Um, the reason she has no friends was um, because she um, decided to become a Christian at um, last year's camp. And when she went back home, all of her friends who were Muslim rejected her because of her newfound faith in Jesus. And I, I felt so horrible for judging her. <laughs> and not only that, she told me that her best friend was so horrified that she had become a Christian that she took her on a drive around their city, and, they, and she spent the entire day trying to convince her to renounce her faith, but she would not do it. And after that day, her best friend cut her off and told her that she was dead to her. And, you know... Um, when I heard that, I, I was just so, um, I was so blown away by the faith of this young girl who gave up everything to follow Jesus. And um, you know, not only that, she was the only Christian in her town of Barat, which is a heavily Muslim um, city in central Albania, and she had no church to go to, except when she visited the capital city of Tirana a few times a year, which was nearly two hours away. And, you know, I, I find that so remarkable and so humbling because there's a 17-year-old girl who somehow had held on to her faith for an entire year without a single person to really encourage her and help her. And the reason she came back to the camp this year was not only to make new friends, but she, she brought her brother Nellie and her cousin Melinda to the camp with the hopes that they might come to know and follow Jesus as well. And, you know, Arcella told me that she had been praying for Nelly. She had been talking to him for an entire year since she got back. And he was not yet convinced that he wanted to be a Christian. But he told his sister that he would make a decision at the end of the week after the camp was over. And she also told me that on American night, when she came through the line, when our team welcomed her, and when she sat down in the front row, she, this is a picture of her kind of working through the line before she sat down. She sat down and she felt a hand touch her shoulder. And she turned around and there was no one there. And she realized in that moment that it was the hand of God reminding her that he was there. And that he'd always been there this past year through her darkest moments. And she was going to be Okay. And she said she was just overwhelmed by the love of God in that moment. She, she just cried. And, you know, the next morning, Miss Jen Choi shared her testimony about one of the darkest moments in her life. I think it was her first year in medical school. And how she just was so broken and just on the floor and 
weeping, and she felt the hand of God touch her head. And Arcella said that she started crying because she hadn't told anyone that what had happened to her the night before. And yet here was, um, you know, Jen Joy just sharing her story, so similar to Arcella's experience the night before. Well, later that night after dinner, uh, Arcella comes up to me, and she, and she said she had written some lyrics to a song that she wrote, and she wanted to share it with me. And she asked me if I could help her with it and just help her refine it a bit. And I, and I said, sure, I would love to read it. And it was beautiful. And when I read it, it reminded me of Psalm 27 by King David. And I told her that, and I, and I said, you know, I think the same spirit that was living in David is living inside of you. And that's why your song sounds just like Psalm 27 to me. And I tweaked it a bit, and I made it rhyme, and, uh, with, and, and I told a guy named Amos, who was this amazing 19-year-old guitarist, this Korean guy, who was there like on a two-year stint as a young missionary to Albania. Um, I said, hey, Arcella, go talk to Amos and see if you could put a, help have him put a melody to this. And he did. And the three of us got together. And I want to share Arcella's song with you. And it shares a bit about her story of faith and how God spoke to her at this year's camp. And in it, I think you will see pictures of many of our team members who grew to love this girl so dearly and how all of us throughout that week were making efforts to reach out with the love of Christ to her and to her family because we loved her so much. And, and, you know, we recorded this actually in a stairwell of the hotel, so I just want to apologize up front for the audio quality. But if you could play the video, the song. Marcella would go on to sing this song for everyone on the last night of the camp, and it was such a blessing. And um, I was so proud of her because she said she never really sang in public, and yet somehow she found the courage to share a song that God had given her. And, um, you know, this is just an amazing story. Well, I want to share a little bit more. Um, 
Um, I hate to admit this, but despite meeting this amazing girl in Arcella, the, the week in Albania was actually a really tough week for me. Um, I was pretty stressed out most of the time, to be honest. And part of it was because I felt the pressure of making sure that they were now under my care <laughs> in a foreign country that I've never been to. And uh, I also wanted to make sure no one lost their passports. And so I kept it with me. I collected them all and put them in my backpack. I said, no one touched my backpack. <laughs> and everyone wanted to make sure everyone had a great experience. And I kind of felt like the dad who plans a family vacation but can never really relax that whole vacation. I never really enjoy myself. But if I'm honest, for me, actually, the bigger struggle was I actually felt like I didn't need to be on this team. You know, Pastor Dave uh, Lee from Harvest ended up joining us, and, uh, you know, my son's in Enneagram 7. I'm also, I actually scored really high in Enneagram. I scored the highest on 7 as well in the Enneagram, but I'm actually an 8. And so I like to have fun. Uh, my son likes to have fun. Pastor Dave is like a quintessential 7. He's like the life of the party. And he's also just a very gifted leader. And so um, I found that I had a, a man who joined us who was a more fun seven than me and a better eight than me as a leader. And so I was like, where, where, where do I fit into this? And so um, I just kind of found myself uh, receding to the background and, and just trying to make sure that, again, no one died. And tried to enjoy the trip as much as I could. And... Um, it was funny because towards the end of the week, even Hannah noticed this, and she said, Pastor Peter, you're usually very funny, but this week you're not funny at all. <laughs> and she said, like, you and Haman are like the two funniest guys at church, but you did not gain any ground on Haman this week, and I was so disappointed. <laughs> I was like, oh, lost my chance. Um, don't get me wrong. I, I love having Pastor Dave on the team, and I'm so grateful that he was able to join us, and um, I couldn't imagine doing the trip without him. And, um, but I could, personally, I could not understand why I was feeling this way. And I felt so actually disappointed in myself. And really the whole week, the only way I would console myself was by saying, Lord, this will all be worth it if a bunch of people come to Christ at the end of this week. And so I just put the God to the test. And I said, that's what kept me going. I was just going to get to that last night where the campers would be given an opportunity to share their testimonies of how they came to faith. And it was going to be awesome just like last year when our cell came to faith. And, you know, I asked our prayer, my prayer partners and our prayer team here at our church to really lift up that night as it was approaching, and I was filled with hope and anticipation. And then it finally arrived. And how do I describe it? It, it felt like a major dud. <laughs> like nothing really happened, at least the way I expected it to. You know, a couple of people like Arcella shared about their experience at camp in the last night, but no one really shared this amazing testimony about how they came to faith or how they accepted Jesus, and I was so disappointed. And I went back to my room that night, the last night, and I asked myself, like, what am I doing here? And I was feeling sorry for myself. And I wasn't just disappointed in myself, I was disappointed in God. And, you know, the next morning I woke up, like at 5 a.m., and I just felt oh, God say to me, like, Peter, even if I sent you all the way to Albania to encourage the faith of just one girl, would that not be enough for you? And as soon as I heard God's voice, I, I just was so convicted. And I got up, and I just started listening to, you know, Arcella's song on repeat over and over. And I just felt this, this weight had lifted, and I felt like it was a new day. And we were heading back to the capital city uh, the next day on Saturday, and, and Pastor Tony actually mentioned 
that he had reviewed all the comment cards that came in from the campers from the last night, and that four campers had actually decided to follow Jesus that week, even though they didn't share their testimony that night. And it was Ina, Alexa, Silda, and Nellie. And that's our Silda's brother came to faith. And I was so happy to hear that our Silda's brother had decided to follow Jesus and that the church in Berat, where our Silda's from, had now doubled in size. <laughs> Went from one member to two members. Praise God. And I realized that God had done me actually a huge favor in delaying the news of these people coming to faith because it happened. If it happened through their testimonies on the last night, I probably would have just been like, oh, yeah, we're here, Americans, to save the day with the gospel. Look how God used us. But, no, he didn't do that. He waited. And in his wisdom, he showed that he alone did this. He alone deserves all the glory. And I've been keeping in touch with Arcella since we left the camp a few weeks ago just to check up on her and her brother Nelly and just to see how the church in Barat is doing. <laughs> And she shared that he's doing well, that he is growing in his faith. He had a bout with COVID and he's fully recovered now. And that she is teaching him everything that she knows about God and about the Bible. And yesterday morning, I sent her a link of all the testimonies that were shared from our team Friday night. And I wanted to um, share with you what, what she said to me. She said, she told me Nellie's doing better. And, and she told me, um, she said this. She's, I don't, you probably can read this, but she said, so happy you're sharing my story. Um, she said, Nellie's doing much better and a full Christian now and Relinda too. And that's her cousin. And I had no idea that Relinda had come to faith and I just found out yesterday morning. And I'm so amazed that God is working through this young family. And I asked her, praise God, are you doing church together? Are you reading the Bible together? And she said, yes, I'm, I'm trying to teach my brother Melinda everything I know. And she said, I said, wow, you're a pastor now, Arcella. <laughs> and she said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but she is. And can you believe it? It appears now that actually five people were saved from the camp. And I'm happy to report that the church of Barat has tripled in size this month. <laughs> and after our little conversation, I asked Arcella if she might be willing to share a video of how she's doing. And she agreed. And she sent this to me last night. So I, I want to share it with you now. Hi everyone, my name is Arcella. For those who don't know me, I'm doing this video to share a little how camp went and how are things doing after it. So, first, I'm so thankful to American team because they did a lot, and by getting out their comfort zone, they did uh, things that were difficult for for them. They shared their love and testimony with us. Uh, I'm starting by the first day of the camp. I was so nervous and excited at the same time because I really needed this camp uh, after a, a year full of crying and sad times that I that I had. So yeah, I became really close with those people. It was like a second family. I made a lot of friends and I have two best friends now that I'm really happy to have them. Um, but in the end of the camp, I was like sad and bored in the same time. But something that cheered me up was my brother and my cousin. They gave themselves to God. They became a child of God. And now I'm learning them everything that I know. So this is the best thing that happened to me. Like the second thing, because the first thing was the camp. And I really 
miss you guys and I hope we meet next time too like next year and have the best times ever uh, thank you for coming in my life I'm I'm so blessed that have you guys thank you love you guys hi everyone how are you guys I'm doing great and now I'm a Christian uh, I miss you so much guys and uh, can't wait to meet again next year thank you for sharing your love and your stories with us I love you so much guys bye So that was Rolinda, and she, and Arcella sent me her video this morning, so I just threw it on here. And if you knew Rolinda, she seems like a different person than uh, we knew her in the week. She's just was barely able to even speak any English, and so shy, and now she's so effusive and expressive um, in her love. Um, when I think about this humble and yet miraculous beginning of this little church in central Albania, I, it reminded me of the church in Philippi. This amazing church, which was such an encouragement to the Apostle Paul. And it really started with just three of the most unassuming people in um, Lydia, in a Roman jailer, and in a troubled slave girl. Two females and a male as well. And I went back and I looked at this, the intro of the Philippian study that I wrote when we studied this book in our small groups over four years ago. And I just want to read this for you and end with this. It said, Lydia is a Gentile who is apparently ripe for the hearing of the gospel. And all that is needed is a clear explanation of it. A troubled slave girl is in spiritual bondage and finds deliverance through spiritual means. While the jailer comes to faith when he suddenly finds himself in a horrible situation, imminent death for failing to do his job, and in desperation seeks salvation and responds with faith. This speaks to the mysterious ways in which God draws a people to himself. Coming to faith cannot be reduced to a singular method or a specific program, but only through the humble obedience of those who are faithful in not only preaching, but in living and in modeling the gospel to others.